Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So why is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ando. Well, just like that, we've reached our final episode of the year. What a last couple of months, huh? As my mother likes to say, I don't know if it's Christmas or the Marble Arch, but I do know that from this Thursday, I am going on vacation, yo. And it's just what I need. But not to worry, I'll be back in the middle of January with new episodes. So I just had a great talk with Sami Nirakol, an artist who I was not previously acquainted with, but uh, I'm certainly glad to know her now. I wanted to release this one right away because she currently has a show up at Olegelen, my favorite of the art halls here in Copenhagen, and that show is going to be up until the 8th of January. So how about some art over your vacation, huh? She's a hard artist to pin down, and we certainly talk a lot about that during this episode, but uh, she comes from a theater and performance background. She's a poet. She makes books. She does a lot of different cool stuff. The show is a total installation. It's called Skjult in Danish, which means hide. And uh, it's really quite the experience. It's the kind of, uh, it's the kind of total experience I really enjoy seeing and, uh, and partaking in. And so I really recommend that you go see it. It's hard for me to give much else by the way of introduction I think hearing her talk about where she comes from and uh, the way she works it will make a much better explanation than I can come up with. So I'm going to let her take it from here. So enjoy the holidays if you are so lucky as to have some. And uh, let's come back in the new year with our feet on the ground and uh, ready to fight. We are going to need it. Enjoy. On several videos of you talking, um, you don't seem to be uh, to have a problem with with speaking on tape or anything no, like that. No, uh, I've, 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 I do spoken word also. Performance. Yes. So, um, so it's been part of it to record it, and you know, also in the installation now there is recorded text, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do that as part of my one of the things I do. Well, it's a tremendous material and it's a really, um, it's a great way, you know, as a performance artist, for example, it's really important to have to, to be able to document and to engage with recording devices of some sorts mm. to help kind of create a life for something which only happens at one spot at one time. Yeah. Um, I could be better at that. Yeah, we all could. <laughs> it's like how to prioritize it and. Make sure it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great place to start because I did my usual jackass research to try to find out about your practice and what you do. Mm -hmm. And I think I got even more confused because it seems like you do a lot of things. You, you're a poet. Yes. You're trained in theater. Is that right? Yeah, kind of. Not really because I'm not an actress. I don't act. Um, but I was trained at a school where... 
we had a, a master teacher and we had an artist that we followed kind of and we had a lot of of uh, teachers visiting and inspiring people coming there and then we didn't have a lot of economy so there weren't any set design no light design uh, no nothing except being on on stage or performing hmm. and that taught us in a very good or very like natural way that if you want to have a space that you present your work in you create your own space and that's a good lesson yeah that was that was great because then for me it was i i really enjoyed this building in many directions uh, both the in the space wise but also text wise and and with light i worked a lot with light i worked a lot with with the ds Mm-hmm. With slides. With slides, it's called, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, so I wouldn't say I know how to act, but I know how to be present. And and we did a lot of work on just being present, a lot of physical training. There's really something to be said for that. I also did a lot of theater uh, because I was part of a program in high school, gymnasium, Um I was part of a program where it was theater and media put together. So I was more interested in video editing and sound editing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But theater was part of it, and we made these huge productions. And everybody was forced at some point to be on stage, whether they wanted to or not. And that's actually, uh, you know, uh, of course, there's people who have no interest in that and really makes them uncomfortable. But I think it's a good thing to learn kind of how to be present, like you say, to have some sort of feeling in your body of being present and and performing or doing something in that position. Mm. It's a lot about communicating also that that um not being preoccupied with your feelings about being there but with the other person you meet. Um yeah, so so that school was um in many ways, very good because it 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 was a, it was also a it was a space where we could try out things, and it wasn't very uh, there wasn't a big uh, what do you call pensum? Yeah. Pensum. What is that? Is that the uh, stipend? Yeah. The, the, no. No. It's the things you need to do in the school. Like uh, you have to okay, read you this. Didn't you have, have a to long um, set of requirements. No. No. It was. I think the the biggest requirement was that you would take uh, yourself seriously and and investigate yourself. What what is your interest and how do you want to communicate? How do you want to be here? How do you want to? What is it you want? And not uh, can you cry on <laughs> demand or uh, or acting? Right. Wait, so wait, is this an alternative school? I mean, how well, do you end up going to a place like this? It was, it was because it's closed. Uh, oh, nineteen years ago that it closed. It existed for ten years, and it was in Aarhus, mm-hmm. and it was called uh, Nordic Theater School, Nordic Theater School, which was a bit why theater school, but okay. It, it's today it would probably have been called. School of Stage Art or something like that. There was another school that was called that, actually. Mm. There were two schools, and none of them were state schools. They were, they were private, so you had to, to pay your you stay there. Um, I heard about it in my high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
and uh, so you went to a audition and and uh, had to do your own little piece. And I really thought that I went to a theater school because I thought I wanted, I, I thought I was going to be an actress. Okay, so that was the plan. Yeah, I, I yeah, plan and plan. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was nineteen, twenty, something like that, and sure. not really sure of why or what. And I, I remember also that I had a lot of discussions with myself about why I would go this way because I didn't really feel the fire. Hmm. You know, people talk so much about that. I just burn. I just want to do art. I can't. I can't avoid it. I have to. And I didn't have that. So I was like, I was confused. Is this really? <laughs> but I think at that age, too, a lot of it comes down to uh, to doing, uh, just knowing what you don't want to do. You know, like, uh, for example, after after high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, I visited, I think, 12 different universities, normal liberal arts universities. And every single one I went to, I was like, what? what what is this? You know, like, I don't understand, like, I get it, but I don't really, it doesn't really grab me. And then I visited an art school and then it was immediately like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This makes sense. I understand. So I only knew what I didn't want to do until I fell upon what I wanted to do. Yeah. And in that sense, uh, I think a lot of 19 year olds kind of make decisions based off of that. Yeah. And it also opens up the possibility to try new things. Hmm. But I mean, I assume you knew you didn't want to go to the regular gymnasium, as they call it here. And, uh... No, I went to gymnasium. Oh, okay. First. Okay. And then I went to to this to to eight a school. Yeah. Um, Did you consider university like a regular old all uh, who's university or Copenhagen mm, university? No, I didn't. I didn't. I I'm. I knew it, it was only three years. So I thought, I, I want to try this and see where it leads me. And I was, it was mainly because there was a teacher who recommended to me that I think you should go and, and try this audition and see if, if they'll take you. There's always that teacher helping along. Yeah. It comes up again and again. Yeah, because I wouldn't, I, I, I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have found the school without without that teacher. So that was great. No one tells you that that's an option. That was the same thing with me in art school. It wasn't until a friend of mine attended the school that I even knew it existed. Mm, mm. And that that's the sort of like serendipity that happens, which brings you somewhere and you go, oh shit, this is a whole different option I had no idea about. Yeah, yeah. But did you come from a background in any way involved in the arts? Yes, my uh, my mother uh, is uh, worked as a ceramic, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, for, she was working professionally for seven years, my first seven years. But then she, she let go of it. We, we moved and she hasn't worked with it since. Mm. Um, yeah, but, but she was also a half educated uh, psychologist and she went back to that. So I come from a family where you can change what you do a lot. There's a lot of openness to that you can keep inventing yourself. And I mean, both my sisters are very creative. They, one of my sisters is also an artist, Marika Seidler. And oh, yeah. I know her. Yeah. That's your sister. That's my sister. <laughs> All right. And my other sister, Turi, is, um, she's 
a PhD, PhD and she's always like on her way of finding out what's interesting and what she wants to focus on. So it's very, we have a kind of an openness to... It's not that straight track where you no. say, I'm going to be a doctor, wham, and no. just go down that line. Yeah, no, I think there's this, there's this, uh, there's this uh, feeling that you have possibilities. You can, you can invent and you can reinvent yourself. And I think we all, we all use that in different ways in our lives. And your parents were supportive. Yes, they did the same. They changed a lot, like... They come both from working class and backgrounds and, and they changed to, you know, they moved to Canada and went to university there, like from families that didn't do, that didn't go into the world. So they took a lot of uh, initiative and, Hmm. and changed their lives. Um, And I think that that openness comes with also in my work, in the way I work, that there is no... I don't have to be thinking too much about if it's possible or not, if it's doable or not, if I can build this or not. So that's that's a very nice thing to, to have in my backpack from them. Mm, mm, mm. Absolutely. And my parents were kind of the same way too. I think there was that generation which was able to pursue things differently that many generations before them was impossible. Mm. You grow up, let's just say, for example, on a farm, and uh, you're expected to work on that farm or or whatever. And, and all of a sudden, university is an option, travel is an option, all that sort of stuff becomes available, you know, sometime in the 50s, 60s, uh, around there, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is nice. They then kind of pass that on to us. Yes. My, both my parents were like, yeah, just fucking whatever, you know, go do whatever you want to do yeah. and we'll help you. And that's, that's. That's a luxury, which not everybody has, mm. for sure. Mm. But um, but tell me, so this school was a success? You enjoyed going there? You learned a lot? It uh, kind of opened up some doors for you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was very hard in the beginning because I was very confused. I thought I was going to learn to act. And I, I really wanted to be uh, kind of told that I was doing the right thing and that it seemed that I was, that you could see what, I, what I was trying to do. And, and we would be in this, um, kind of a gym room, uh, or a training sale. Right. Yeah. And we'd be there for hours and just, uh, training, uh, moving around in your squatting or in your knees down in your knees and then moving and then having directions in the room or like being very be clear with what direction you're moving in and this kind of thing i was very confused i thought (laughs) well there you are coming from a classroom you know studying books and taking tests and all of a sudden you're crawling around in the floor of a yeah uh, and also from from doing you know in high school i do i was uh, in jesus what is it called jesus christ superstar and these kind of musicals and i I would, that was my reference to what is, what is stage art. Right. Learn some lines, sing a couple of songs. Yeah. And, and, and emotions and show emotions and, you know, these kind of things. And this school was just not that. And, uh, I remember my teacher said to me the first, uh, after a half a year or something, he said to me, 
mm, something like he wasn't sure I was going to stay. Mm. He said that after we talked and I, cause, but I said, I'm going to stay. I'm, I just don't know what, I, I, I can't see what am I supposed to do? Tell me what to do. I was very like, can you tell me what to do? How right. should I do this? Guidelines, guidelines, yeah, help rules. <laughs> yeah. And, and he wouldn't. And I was left in this kind of, um, little bit of limbo feeling that I didn't know what is this, where is this leading me? And then, and then at some point I figured, okay, then we had a task to do a solo and, and, um, I collected some mattresses. I still have mattresses in my work. <laughs> the beginning of something. Yeah. I collected them and I, and I had this nice solo. I, I made a good piece of work there, I think. And, and part of it was mattresses and then there was a slide and then I used my voice and I started to write texts and I would go a lot with my dreams that was before I had kids, long before. Yeah. <laughs> when you could sleep 10 hours a night. <laughs> where, you can, where you can wake up slowly and, and remember your dream. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that was what I did. And also, I figured I, I, I had to describe the, what I wanted to do as a soul. He, he, he said, you can try and prepare something in a way, like describe it or make a little bit of a plan what you want to do. And... Uh, so that, in a way, opened the door to that I would start using the text, because I wouldn't, I didn't write. Uh, it's going to be about this and this. I, I wrote more like these dream pictures or these sounds and these images of of a space and a person in a space. So it was a descriptive text. It wasn't in a way, and, it, and at the same time, because I was never very good at this writing like a long story that that starts and then has right. a you know goes through different levels and then ends at uh, happily or whatever right 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 <laughs> but but this um way of writing as uh, when when you think more just just taking my thoughts and trying to let them be what's on the paper and not to uh, uh, to try and plan too much. Mm. Um, and I mean that that's something that I've developed over a long time. I also, at a point, it, it wasn't there, but it, later I found out. Okay, I can. Uh, I bought a was it a mini disc recorder? Uh huh. And, I remember those. <laughs> yeah, and I recorded a lot, like texts that I just saw that I just thought about or so I had a lot of little texts and like notes almost. Yeah. And then instead of writing my text, I talked my texts. Mm. So I, it became more and more that I talked, uh, recorded and then listened to it and then maybe re-recorded it or just, uh, played with it more and then recorded it again. So in a way I didn't write texts in the beginning. I, said text or I spoke texts. Right, kind of a physical manifestation. Yeah, and it became thoughts. it became a way of creating text that I think I mean it still influences the way that I that I do write now. But in the beginning I didn't write. I felt like I probably was too connected to school and to a way you have to write. Right. 
So it it changed with that that I could use this speaking, this talking to myself, became a way of creating um, something for someone else. Mm. Could you see that in yourself before you started to work with this? Mm-hmm. Was it? Well, I mean, can you see any sort of like you know? Of course, looking in the past, hindsight is twenty twenty. But the idea that like this was just waiting to come out, or is this thing that developed through the program? Uh, I think it was kind of waiting because I was um, I was a. Uh, this sounds a little funny or a little cliche, but it's funny. Um, I was. I was not very much with other people when I was a kid. Mm. I was very alone. <laughs> um, uh, I didn't. I did. I grew up um, on the country in the countryside uh, the first years, and so I and I didn't go to kindergarten. So I played a lot on my own. A lot of running around outside. A lot of running around outside. I know that one. I yes. Know that one. <laughs> and a lot of talking to myself. Ah, yeah. See, there you go. So it's, I mean, it's connected. And uh, the first, uh, some of the the work that I did in the beginning was very, I also, I looked a lot at my my background. We were in India when I was seven, eight years old. Hmm. And this was a very, had a lot of impact on me. What were you guys doing in India? Just a vacation? My, no, my father was working there and we were there for a year. So, and we came with him there. And stayed and went to school and. That is not the countryside of Denmark. No, so I went to I went from uh, Hilden in uh, northern Jutland. I don't know what's Hilden called in English. The plains, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But that place was a very like a lot of nature, a lot of pine trees, and but no people. Right, a lot uh, of space in between the houses. Yeah, and we had the. I had some animals there, some horses and a dog and things like that. And, you know, so it was a very much a, a life with um, a lot of space, a lot of space around, a lot of sky and a lot of, of uh, nature. A lot of wind. A lot of wind <laughs> and a lot of, uh, you know, just being, not communicating so much with, with unknown people. Yeah. And then we went to, from that to India and uh, that was like such uh, an extreme change um and very exciting and and a lot of colors and a lot of light a lot of people a lot of people and um a lot of poverty and a lot of very rich people also yeah we were for instance invited to a wedding wedding uh, with we were invited to a wedding with, uh, I don't know, like a thousand guests or something. And we didn't know, uh, but we were just invited and it was very exciting and very, everything was uh, very beautiful. Was it one of those three-day weddings? No, we didn't stay that long. At least, I don't know, maybe they were. Um, so that was great. I mean, I, I had a... I had a lot of... I was seven years old, so I had a, lot, a good way to just be in it and um, I remember going to a market and then at six o'clock it, it goes dark and then they turned on all these lights you know or we didn't have that so much in Denmark at that point like now where you can see 
a lot of uh, different lights uh, blinking and, you know, not traditional Christmas lights, but sure. in, in every color. Right. So I remember this, it was kind of a light festival thing going on there. That that made a great impression on me and, and was part of later on how I, I, I'm really, I enjoy small lights in darkness and this kind of, well, a sense of place, too, that mm. whole idea about these lights, this market, these people, mm -hmm. the contrast, the color, the, yeah, you know. And seven is probably just about the perfect age mm. to be shipped off. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you're just along for the ride. You're yeah. not old enough to be like, I don't want to, you know, but no. you're not too young not to remember it either. Yeah, and I was also the youngest uh, sister, so I... I I took the role of the sweet one. You were always the one who someone grabbed by the hand and took yeah, along. Yeah, here's and, where we're going now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I so I I didn't take that uh, I didn't take that role of being grumpy and not wanting. Hmm. Um, that was taken. <laughs> <laughs> no, I not not especially there. But later, you know, I I sure. saw the, the older sisters being teenage and teenagers, and I thought. Nah, right. I'm going to do it differently. <laughs> I'll fly low to the ground here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone has their things, you know. Sure, sure. So. Especially teenagers. Yeah. But, uh, but what happened, where was the switch from you going into a school and thinking you wanted to be an actress to coming perhaps out of school or even before and thinking more about working in some sort of arts context? Mm. It wasn't. The, I. I. I don't think there was a switch that was like, oh, now I know. I feel really. I feel I have found my place. Mm. It's a lot later. Uh, I had a lot of doubting all the time. Um. There was this I, that, that I told you about. This that I first thought that it was a school where I would learn to act and uh, maybe become an actress. But it wasn't that I was sure I wanted to be an actress. It was just kind of, I was just kind of floating along again, as I did when I was younger, I guess. I remember being quite alone in Aarhus because I, I've moved there and, and I remember realizing, okay, no one's going to live my life. I have to start taking, making decisions and, you know, I have to be a grown up. And I thought, oh no, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to be a grown up. So, so uh, I had a lot of struggling, but uh, after, I mean, there was uh, some really great experiences there that we had a, a, a group that we worked with uh, called uh, Teatro de los Sentidos which is, it has been here in Denmark several times since. Spanish, I assume. Uh, no, well, it's um, people from a lot of different places, mm. but the founder is Colombian, I think. Mm. He's he's probably coming soon again. He's great. He does very interesting work. And um, I think what he does is he creates labyrinth um, that you as a, as an audience enter into, and then you meet a lot of different people in there. So it's, a, he has a huge production. And it's interactive. It's interactive, but you, you kind of pulled to, or not pulled, but you're 
put through an experience in each room. And I thought, uh, I thought that was really inspiring the way that I was, I was, so I would work three hours in this, uh, small room that I helped create. So it was a room with, um, the devil in, he, he worked in this piece. He worked with, um, uh, tarot cards, mm -hmm, tarot mm -hmm. cards, tarot cards, tarot cards. And, um, so I was the devil. There are different, there's uh, death and there is, uh, I don't know, twins and I don't know the cards so well, mm. but I was the devil. And so I was in this room that, um, where the walls and the floor and everything was uh, colored purple with, um, uh, yellow shaped, like a little bit like devil face all over, printed all over. Mm. And I was dressed as a, as a young boy, kind of boyish. And I would be there for, in, in this semi-dark room, I'd be there for three hours in a row and there would be every two minutes a new person would enter. So I learned a lot about meeting this person and I had different things I would do with them. I'd dance a tango or I'd um, wrestle, oh, arm, arm, wrestle. Arm, arm wrestle them, yeah. but I'd invite them to arm wrestle me and then and then grip hard, but then change and start caressing their arm. <laughs> Makes people so uncomfortable. <laughs> Which was so it was a place where, and I tried to mirror what they would, what they would look at me with. Yeah. So it was very interesting. To so that was a changing point for me to to work with this this group. Absolutely. Um, because also because they used so much the space and they used so much uh, that you have a whole room, a whole structure around you and the audience and you meet them one-to-one. -one. So there's a lot there that I, that I learned. And, uh, yeah. And there's those, liked. there's those things that happen too, where you like, let's say you had an idea about acting, just like you said, Jesus Christ, superstar, everyone sits down, curtains go up, performance, <laughs> sing, dance, emote, curtains close, clap, 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 goodbye. And then there's this moment, this happened to me in several occasions, both with art and theater, where you try something else, where you go through, you walk through an exhibition or you have an interactive exhibition or the, or the space is used entirely different. And then all of a sudden it opens this whole other, oh my God, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. There doesn't, it doesn't have to be uh, a Greek based 2000 year old model mm of uh of creating spectacles True. and that to mm. me is very exciting mm. and that also i mean that the school in that way was very helpful because it was a school that that was very focused on that actually we're creating artists here we're creating people who will create who will use themselves to create and um it's a very different perspective than if you become an actor because if you become an actor you do create and you use yourself but you have to listen very carefully to what the director tells you to and what the text tells you to right so it's another way of creating and and uh, it has some quite defined rules i'm sure that that there are many different ways of acting of getting into it but this school was good because it it uh, was so open to uh, to your way of doing it. It's just kind of making a space for you. I think that's what other art schools are 
are able to also here's a space here's a here's a, a teacher that you can talk to and and discuss your things with hmm. but come with something then right which doesn't work for everybody no nope. like you said in the beginning you were searching for guidelines mm -hmm. this is the way i am too someone will say to you okay i need you to do this 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 and this and we're going to talk about it and say whether you did a good job or not. Mm. And then all of a sudden when the floor falls out and you just can do anything, mm. some people thrive and some people have a really hard time adjusting to that. Yeah, I think that it's because we're trained. We're trained to stop believing in that we can actually come up with ideas and we can actually create. Right. We're, we're trained to stop um, being... Uh, yeah, creative. Actually, we we train to stop thinking ourselves. Right. Um, so in the school, I mean, this is hard to watch. But in the school, you go through uh, very exciting. Uh, I'm going to learn a lot. This is going to be a great experience. I'm going to meet a lot of people, and I'm going to learn a lot. And what's going to happen? And then you get to sit a lot on a chair. And you can be very patient and you can really try your best. But even though you really try your best, you can also feel, okay, are you, I don't know if you can be conscious about it, but I think it's visible when, I, when you work with kids that the, the zero grade and the first grade uh, have a lot of energy and a lot of physical energy and uh, immediate excitement. And this is what's so sad. And then right. when you come Slowly to this... Slowly mash that down. It is. It's a system that's... You're in the belly of the monster when you when you go there and yeah. you see how it works. And I don't know why it has to be like that. Um, or I'm not agreeing with it. I'll say. I, I can imagine why it has to be like that. We can't have a... We can't have this kind of oppressive society that we do have if we don't have an oppressive school <laughs> right you can't have too much fun in school and then all of a sudden walk out into the real world and and think you can just right. choose <laughs> there are different mechanisms that that holds us back sure. you know in 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 being real creative and uh, also human in a way we have to serve the economy. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's part of that's part of the system. Sure. This kind of economy, but um, so we were talking about this. Uh, I think we came from the idea that you that you can create. Uh, let's just call it theater. You can create performances mm -hmm. in a much more open manner. Yeah. This idea that people interact and you create a labyrinth, for example, and mm. have one-on-one -on -one, mm. uh, interactions with with artists yeah. or with sorry with the public, and then the question is is kind of like how that leads into your own practice yeah. afterwards. You yeah, because there you are, you are in a dream school in which you can do whatever and it's open, and then all of a sudden, as happens to a lot of people, come out of art school. Oops, the real world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Put your brakes on. How am I going to make this work? I've I've been I've been uh, I've been good at uh, and not at not stopping myself and and that means that I've been good at also just saying um, it's possible for me to work with with sound or it's possible to me for me to work with the spoken word performance, poetry slam, 
I would go and do set design, um, write, have books as a media or so all the time, which is all the time there's been something to do because there's been so many different things that I do. In terms of ideas, like you always have something that is, is not easily, but is available to be manifested regardless of the circumstances. Both in terms of ideas, but also in terms of having something to do with someone or having a place where I could show some of my work. Um, That's pretty tremendous. I mean, it's not... A lot of people spend a lot of time just trying to find some place to interact with the greater world, whether yeah. it's an exhibition yeah. or a performance or whatever. Yeah. I had, I was, uh, there was this, I mean, it, everything kind of started in, in stage art for me. And then 10 years ago, the art art opened up uh, because I, I, I asked um, Orgelin at that time if I could, do a piece there and I had this idea and I applied for for a stay there out of nowhere I mean out of uh, you had a young practice and uh, uh, I had a practice of about nine years at that time okay so but so I wouldn't say out of nowhere it was more out of um of uh, that I had I had the set design for myself, for my own pieces. So it wouldn't, I wouldn't, I w it wasn't an installation yet. I, I didn't do, what did I? No, I didn't do any installations really yet, but, uh, but I had uh, created rooms that I would perform in and I would, they wouldn't be necessarily a stage. Uh, and so, so I had already a, a, a practice with that. Um, but I didn't have, uh, I had the connection with my sister also, Marika Seidler, who's, I mean, I would, I would, uh, work some on some of her pieces and some of her, her artwork. She went to the art academy here, right? She did. Yes. Yeah. So that's a good, yeah, that's a good, it's, it's good to have uh, people around you who are engaged. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, so I was part of some of her projects and, um, and uh, in that way, some of some I got some connection, I guess, also to the art world. Um, and I also had, a con yeah, I had some connection with the uh, Vibe Bredale, who mm -hmm. who's um, uh, Hurricane Pub Publishing also, who's and an artist also who's uh, published uh, my books. Oh, I've probably seen some of your books. Then I've seen, you know, she took part in the art fair or the art book fair mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. She lives in China, right? She did. She's no, She's in Berlin. Oh, okay. As far, I, as, far as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, she's great. Um, and she trusted and she liked my work a lot. So I had a, a, a good communication with her already, but I didn't, I didn't have any, books out yet um no i'm lying i did have a book out with her i did she Which was you designed did you propose yeah. it to her or did you guys work together i think she saw me do a spoken word mm. and and i talked to her about maybe it was a possibility 
We also went. Oh, we also went to Syria together. Actually, we went to Aleppo um, uh, with Marika also, and we went to this um, international women's art festival um, in Aleppo. And there, I did a spoken word, and I worked with Marika there, and um, so I met Vibe through that. So, mm. I mean, I've been. Uh, communicating with and in contact with people from the uh, art academy in that way, and and Vibe is one that that uh, so she she published my work. Yeah. How important do you think it is as a creative person to surround yourself by people who are kind of working on the same parallel as you? I think it happens because we see each other, what we do, and we share in that way. You go and see whether the, what other people do. And it also, yeah, it's very important because you also create things together even though you don't have physically created something together. You create by just meeting and seeing what they do and they see what you do. Or you just meet the energy that they have. So I think it's very important to to be to in a way be part of a community mm. but it's very it's not that that I do see these people a lot it's just that I I know them and they know me and it's maybe someone thinks of me when they need um, someone who can do I was yeah for instance write a text for do a collaboration together mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, because in my mind, it's very important. Mm -hmm. That sort of, mm -hmm. you know, working with people or even just sharing ideas. Um, you know, I, have, I haven't made any collaborations with other artists, but I get a tremendous amount of, uh, of support and help by speaking to other artists about their work, about my work, about uh, opportunities. You know, the idea that you applied to Awagelen to mm. have a show there, mm. uh, that's the kind of thing which would never have occurred to me if other people I knew hadn't also done it. And then perhaps you can reach out and say, okay, what do you think's the best way to do this? Or how would you write the text for it? You know, all those sort of, those thousands of small things which you can get help for or just advice or even just to have somebody to listen. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge part of what we do. That it happens also that we get to do it is because we have, yeah, that's true. That it's, you're not alone. You can't be alone in that. Yeah. In that energy in a way you mm. have to also because it's kind of uh, there is this part of of it that you you go beyond um caring about economy or it's not that I don't care about economy it's actually quite you have to yeah and it's it's sometimes i mean one thing is that you're an artist and you think you can be free of this mechanism but uh, it it can be very uh, devouring in a way can be very present when you don't know where to get your money from next, then it becomes, uh, it takes a lot more space in a way than I think it does for other people who works more regularly and get paid regularly. Um, but, uh, but being together, seeing others do and dare is, uh, 
Yeah, that's very important. It could relate back to to what you were talking about, how you go to a, for example, the school, and it's it, it's essentially you have to bring order from chaos. You have so much freedom that anything is possible, and having people to help kind of bump you towards whatever it is you're forming out of nothing mm. that can help keep you on track too. Yeah, you know, and I guess that's the whole point of an arts education is that anything is possible. You can go anywhere. You can do anything. But someone helps kind of guide you in some way or shape or form mm. along some sort of path, which can, of course, change. But each time it changes, you're still bringing something with you mm. from a previous place. Yeah, there's, this, there's this frame that you need either someone else to help you with or that you create yourself. Mm -hmm. I, um, it's not that the energy is always just, uh, you asked me, when did it change or when... It's not that I have all that I always have this energy of creating and everything's great and I have a lot of ideas. Um, there is, it's like uh, this roller coaster thing that goes and I now I've been working. It's it's been yeah nineteen years since I stopped that school and since I had that frame, and I can see a very clear pattern. It's changing. I think I'm getting more a hold of myself. So I can more say, okay, I know I've had a very, very stressful or very, very intense, maybe not stressful, but intense period of building and creating. And then maybe being in in that piece, performing there, being in that installation. And then I know there's going to be a hole and it's going to be very easy to fall into that hole. Um, that is a big hole. <laughs> yeah. And then... Then, well, it helps if there's another another thing going, if I have another even assignment or another uh, agreement with someone, okay, we're going to do this together or this is you, I do set design for other productions mm -hmm. or that is not. Right. Deadlines are helpful. Deadlines are helpful. <laughs> Absolutely. It helps you get out of those holes, but I'm... Yeah, I'm also trying to, to just manage those holes and know I know they're coming. I mean, there's probably not going to be time for it right now, but I, there would have been. In a way, there was a bit, but <laughs> I don't have time for it. <laughs> well, it's I mean, great. there's always that whole thing. You give birth, uh, you know, mm. pardon the cliche, uh, but you give birth to a project and then there is that whole like, Now what's mm. kind of like mm. it was some degree of success, some degree of failure. You know, you're never 100% satisfied. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, you know, somehow you have to change that energy into the next step. Then the reinventing, reinventing of your. Exactly. Mm. And using what you learn, too, because you learn something every time, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would hope at least I do. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit about this work now mm -hmm. that you've made. Mm -hmm. uh, which is essentially you've been invited, as far as I understand, to revisit the exhibition you made at Oakland ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm invited. I've been invited to revisit Oakland, and you could say that it's not that I'm doing the same uh, installation again. It's. Uh, But it has uh, it has links to it because it's it's my work. So in a way, the the gallery uh, organ revisits my 
my work. Uh, you can say they go and look at where am I now, mm-hmm. what what is going on, and they they invite me to to make a kind of a. I don't want to. I don't know if I should st- say status. <laughs> right. I, uh, to to make some kind of. Uh, where is she now? Right. To make something that's present mm-hmm. is of the present. Mm. And in some ways, I mean, some of the some of the revisits that they they have done in Oregon has been more that they t- do take, uh, and redo the actual piece. That, they, that that was there, mm. the actual installation or whatever. Whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Um, and then, so, and others are that, that they revisit the artist's uh, praxis mm-hmm. and and see what, what has been going on the last 10 years in my case. Right, it's a long time. Yeah, it is. And uh, I think... I've developed um, all my elements in many ways, both the the way of being there as a performer um, and also the way of uh, letting the installation and the room uh, carry more. So it carries more than it did 10 years ago. Um, Would you say that's being more mature as an artist, that you're able to let it do that? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I think I did a very, very good. the The piece ten years ago was called "Walls." The walls have ears, mm-hmm. and I think it was very good in many ways because it had. Um, it was the first time that I used all the different elements that I work with. It was the first time that I had. Um, spoken word in the form of recorded text that was hidden in the walls. You could lean against the walls and listen to it. It was the first time that I would let a room uh, be the main focus in a way. And Instead not, of you as a performer, for yes, example? Yes, So that was a big change for me. And I needed that change. I needed, to, and to, to make that change, I needed to be in a place like Oregon. Mm, it helped me tremendously because I, I got free of the expectation of the spectator to to see a performance because whenever they come to a venue at least 10 years ago it's changed now but you, you would expect to be um entertained more or less so i needed i needed a place where it didn't it didn't when you entered As an audience, when you entered into the into the space, you didn't expect to to be entertained, and you didn't expect to meet anyone. So, and I didn't tell anyone that there was that there was a actual person in in the in the space there. Mm. All the time, we were there all the time. Wow. Yeah, that's a commitment. I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah, that I was sharing that work with my my colleague Boas Bakan that I worked with since actually and we've done a lot of interesting things together and we've done he's uh, been assisting and helping me and performing in my things but we've also developed more that we do things together now um so we were there all these hours 
It's a lot of hours. It was a lot of hours. And I've changed that now. Um, so I'm not there all the time. I'm there sometimes and sometimes not. Hmm. Is it scheduled when you're there? or is Yeah, it, for me it is. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's not publicly known. No. When you may or may not be there when someone comes. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you ask me more about it? Well, I'm just kind of interested in... in it seems I don't. I, I I tried to do some research about about your practice, and it seems like you came from a more performative spoken word, straight up performance, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you are, you know, these are all these weird uh, boundaries and frames we put on things, but it's becoming more of a visual arts context in terms of these installations, however much they're taken from. Your theater training, uh, your time in India, a sense of place, all that sort of stuff. All of that uh, leads to this, but it is more exhibition-like, if you understand what I mean. Like, it's not so much performance as it is, yeah, exhibition. Mm, now, this, yeah. this example is, but then... But that's not the general direction, necessarily. Well, I don't think I have so much a general direction in that case, because I do still work with... Um, Oh, maybe I do have, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do still, I mean, then I work with, um, I've, didn't, I've done two set designs for um, this last, this year, mm. in the beginning of the year. Um, and when I do a set design, I'm, I'm very much part of this thinking about how is it working, um, how can you use it? Um, and you're part of a team in that case. Yes. So I'm not just creating, I'm not just making a drawing and then making someone else build it and then say, here you go. Right. So I'm... Don't fuck it up. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm building it and I'm creating it uh, parallel with that, what they want to create. Right. Yeah. But am I more... But do you differentiate between breaking set design for somebody else and making your own exhibition at uh, Overgallon? I mean, is one work and one's art, or are they all part of the same general movement? I think the last. Okay. It's part of the same general movement, but... That's a healthy way to look at it. Yeah, but because it's, I mean... Um, yeah, it, it is. It's part of. It's part of a... I I do investigate myself and and think in in what I find interesting and then so I'm not so good at maybe having someone tell me can you can you make um I don't know a set that's a a hotel with uh, this and this and this kind of room I mean I am sure I could do it but I would want to do it in a way where it made sense for me right bringing your own practice to the yeah to the table. Yeah. Well, having the freedom to do that is, you know, that's the best kind of work. Mm. The kind of work where you can make enough money that you do, you know, you can buy a pair of shoes next time you need one, mm. need them. But, uh, but you know, you can still bring your practice, your creativity, your, uh, your momentum to something and, and have a unique input to it. Mm. The people I have, uh, I mean, most of the times I've done set, is also um, when I've with I'm working with people that I've also performed with before and that that knows my work and that 
Right, so they're so looking for a specific they yeah, and they input from you. They know that we were we're going to work together on this, and and um, I mean, yeah. So well, there's a lot of good stuff happening here. Mm-hmm. This hotel pro forma, they're mm-hmm. doing great stuff. Yes, uh, there is you know there's Odin Theater that's something completely different, but you know, and just the fact that the Danish state supports the theater mm-hmm. gives opportunities in terms of. Mm-hmm. You know, economic models, mechanisms, all that sort of stuff, which otherwise wouldn't exist. It's not a terribly large country. There probably isn't a lot of ticket sales Mm-mm. to to go around. I mean, the uh, hide that I'm doing now in Orgeln is also it's also supported by Scenekunstudvalle, uh, stage art. Um, yeah, whatever that word is yeah. in English. <laughs> uh, the council, the council for yeah. stage art, or something yeah, like yeah. that. So it's and it's also because it is. I do work that's balancing between these genres you call, or right. these stages, or you have the art scene scenes it called, and not stages. So you have the art scene, and then you have the stage art. And then there's the literature. The right, it's very work. divided in theory. yes, but you can actually still uh, apply for the, from the different um, councils. Yeah, the different sections. Sections, yes. That's great. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's the problem with those mechanisms is they're often too divided up. Mm. And when you do want to work, you know, across several different disciplines, mm. it can be tough. It can be really hard to get to fit into the requirements, for example. It's a lot of things has happened in in, in that area on these in these last ten years, yeah, for instance. I, I agree. mean, the the for the walls of ears, I got money from Puglia. Uh, um, yeah. Oh God. Uh, this is going becoming more and more. It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's a, a. It's a bunch of money which is available. Yeah. To, yes, I got. I got. Uh, to apply for. I got money from. Uh, from. Uh, this. Tver um, aesthetic. Oh boy, this is getting harder and harder. <laughs> cross aesthetic. Yeah, something like that. okay. So I got money from from a cross aesthetic. Um, bunch of man, money that the state had at that point okay and it just were there for two years and then they closed down again and mm. then there's been a long time where it's a bit difficult to be just in between things um or both the white cube and the black box or whatever you how you would define it right um but now just the fact that it's called not a theater uh, council, but stage art council is right. like a quite big indication of that that things are changing and or has changed. That's good. That's progress in my mind. It is that, that there is a lot. It's a lot wider what um, stage art is, and I guess also it's a lot wider what art is in a way. But I mean, I guess art has always had this very nice and broad openness to it but it's only breaking down more and more yeah you know for good mm. in my mind mm. um but i mean that's 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 important that someone with your background can come and have an exhibition at a traditionally hang art on the wall 
even though Olgalen is not terribly traditional, no. but you know, it's still this essentially the same idea, a space in which art is presented to a interested public, mm-hmm. you know, and being able to uh, bring other backgrounds into that is going to help make for more dynamic programs at these, at these institutions. I think Olgalen is very good at that. They're a very good example of They're not. One of the best. Yeah, of not being too focused on. Okay, did she have the right education? Or I mean, they're not focused on that at all. So that's great. They're looking at what work they find interesting, and that's a a cadeau to them. I think it's very good. Absolutely, and it helps create. I mean, these are the kind of opportunities you need in order to keep producing and exhibiting work. Because uh, it's probably not going to be a commercial gallery, I imagine. No, I don't know. I I don't think that's a possibility, but I don't know. It's always a possibility. Can but, always try. But have you? Uh, uh, no, I have never been in a, com- uh, a commercial, commercial gallery. gallery. Yeah. No. I mean, it's also that the, um, the closest I get to that is my books. That, I mean, one book is, um, the latest one is a... It's kind of book sculpture, mm. so it, it you can unfold it and and um, and you can have it like a little sculpture in the room, and that is that is something that you can sell. And actually, there are more than one of it. Um, right, and so therefore so, it can also be affordable in a sense. Yes, um, that's the closest I get to something that, until now, to something that you can go and and buy in a gallery. Have you, do you make lots of books? I have, um, I have, I'm, I'm doubting how many do I have. I have three. Okay. And then I have, then are there some smaller, like a Leo Porello book. Right, right. With uh, Morten Schilde and then um, some with Wiebe and uh, Wiebe Breidale again. Mm-hmm. And then it's a text here and there. It's a format you have engaged with. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of open endedness to the whole thing, and we could probably go on forever. But I guess I guess my big question: you kind of hinted earlier about how it wasn't you weren't exactly sure that you were going in a specific direction, and so the question kind of is: is what's next? You said you didn't have time to fall in the hole after this exhibit, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, do you see uh, do you see 10 years from now where you are? Do you have any sort of conception of that? Or is it more kind of like jump to jump? Okay, here's the opportunity now. Here's the opportunity now, etc. That's a very interesting question. I mean, I have my like images in my head of what, how I would be when I'm, I'm 90, you know, mm. this kind of. I, 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 but not 60. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> or 50. No, I mean, I, I would like to still be creating. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, a, I don't have a, a 10 years plan in that way. I think the visual art scene, not as just here and now and Denmark is, but more as um, as a way of, of presenting and perceiving. I'm thinking a lot about the people who comes and experience what are their expectations. And I think still there is a very, there is something uh, very nice about this being 
free from the expectation of entertainment, which is still attached to the stage art and still attached to the stage art is also that do sell some tickets now. And uh, in the part of the stage art scene that I've uh, been doing work is, um, is quite free from this ticket pressure, but at the same time it's there. And uh, and in a in a gallery like Orgelin, there is no ticket pressure, because it's it's um, well, I know that they do count how many people that come in there, and they do have that pressure. But I don't have that pressure <laughs> when I'm there. There you go. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, of course, I'm, the, 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 it's just that there is another. I mean, there is also this aspect of that you can come there as an audience. You can stay there for five minutes, and that's perfectly fine. You right. can stay there for two hours, and that's perfectly fine. Um, you decide how much you want to invest yourself and how much you want to go into this this room, this space that I've created. Right. The audience has more freedom, just like the artist does. Yes. Whereas when you go in and sit down in a seat, you're not expected to leave. You're, you're expected not to leave, and you're expected to, yeah, you maybe have expectations of entertainment or at least some sort of, like beginning, middle, end, etc. Mm. And there's also this, this, I, I, I think I want to say also that, that with stage art, it's not that it's only that you go and sit in a seat and you watch what's going on, on the stage. It's uh, it's much wider what stage art is. And I think one problem or one thing that can make it stiff and stiffen is that people have this image of stage art as theater in the traditional thinking still, even though we've had many, many years of other ways of doing it and perceiving it. And um, this is moving, but the more that, the more that, uh, that we talk about it and say that it's actually not, that it's actually wider what theater is stage art is uh the more it becomes part of of what we think about when we say the word stage art or say the word theater right it's nice to broaden that out absolutely mm. and then you know at a certain point you're gonna you know you'll have the ability to blend equally perhaps uh, a fine arts and a stage arts Mm. Uh, experience, you know, that it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. No, there's this, there is though a quite strong focus from from coming from outside that when you present something, people would like it to be defined. What is this then? Right. What kind of? I'm guilty of that. Of course. What kind of glasses do you want to want me to wear when I go and see your work? Right. What? what how do you want me to be? Right. Um, and how do you want me to present your work in a newspaper, in a blog, whatever? And it's it's part of it, and I know it's part of my meet that I meet and my my art meets people and the world. And so I just have to say that's okay. <laughs> um, but it's I still do want to. I still do want to, you know, wiggle out of a. a set box i also do want to wiggle out when people ask me are you do you do theater or act because i know that it has this very strong image to what it is then 
Right. I would like to keep it quite open what it is. Right. Well, I guess it helps, you know, you make those small steps where you use the toolbox, which already exists in order to uh, inform a public. And then you, uh, after that, you can play with expectations, you mm. know, and then you can make these small jumps, which will then move the whole idea farther in one direction or farther in another direction or farther in two directions, yes. you know, but you still, you know, avant-garde, one of my big problems with some stuff that's just too far out there is I don't have enough to grab onto to bring with me into it. You know, it's maybe they've jumped way too far for any sort of dialogue with the audience, for example. Mm. And instead, like you point out, it's a great thing to be able to use those expectations, but also subvert them a little bit. Mm. I guess also when you do something like that in, in the avant-garde, and you do it on purpose and you really want the audience to feel lost. Right. That's your, that's your, that's part of what you want to do there is that you want to say we are out there where you cannot grab a hold of what you usually use to perceive things and categorize things and understand things. Mm. Um, when I, when I, in my work, I try to create a kind of a, a state of, for you as an audience, a state of, um, of um, creating that you as an audience are creating. You enter this space And when I invite you in, I, I invite you in with a text that tells you in very dry terms, it tells you to, to play because I ask you to take off your shoes and your jacket and things like that. But I also ask you to cover yourself with a sheet mm. and count to 30 and come in. And that is a way of saying, uh, there's a small reference For some people it's stronger, but there's a small reference to now we're going to play hide and seek. Some people don't, I can hear what people say when they're communicating together about whether they want to wear a sheet or not and why they have to go in alone and, you know, these uh, thoughts they have. Um, and, and, and for some people it's about this, that they, that they, they enter into now we're going to play. That's one thing I would like to try and, and open there. Right. Reset your day, whatever you were doing before. Yeah. Now you're in a new space. Yeah. So I want to try and create this stage of perceiving and being in the room um, that's both uh, comes from your sensorial perception of the room and the whole, your body, the way you feel your body. Um, but also what you smell and what you, what you hear and what you And what you think of. So your uh, associations or your your thoughts, your chain of thoughts coming there. And I'd like that you can stay in those thoughts and you can be with them. And, and I try to create this room around you and this atmosphere that has um, so many layers that there's always something you can you can kind of hang your little memory on. Mm. So there's always a hook here and there that you can hang your memory onto. That's a really nice picture. Yes. So it's, it's you, you go there as an audience and you have your hooks and that's where I try to create some space that is um, 
It's uh, very common. There is something common for us there. There is something um, archetypical. But also unique. But also unique. And also um, it's, con it's connected to something that has happened. The room is something that is past. It has been. And um, in that way it connects to, to memories. Um, I can't wait to see what you do when you're 90 years old. No, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, we got to wrap it up. We've gone an hour and 15 minutes already. Wow. Yeah. Just like that, we'll just have to do it again later. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank Salute. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Undergang Armchair. The intro and outro music was kindly provided by Johnny Ripper, and today's interstitial music was provided by CSIS. You can find links to their music and all sorts of other great conversations on our memory hook of a website, undergang.net. You can also find us across various social medias. If you do like the show and you have a moment, it would be a great help to us if you jumped on iTunes and gave us a rating or uh, wrote a review. It helps new people find the show. So that's it. Au revoir 2016. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us, and we will catch you in the middle of January. Thanks for this time around. <laughs>